Welcome to the Frisco Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ellis, and today I am joined by somebody you know from Hustle & Pro, Kelly Walker, is in the, in the studio with me today. Hey, Kelly. Hi. And our guest is Andy Milovich, the GM and president of the Frisco Rough Riders. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. I want to let everybody know before we get going that before we started recording, we kind of kicked this off by finding out that we're both Indiana boys and big IU basketball fans. So if any of you out there are big IU basketball fans, please connect with us one way or another on social media. We need more of you around. Absolutely. So good. How did you make your way from Indiana to Frisco, Texas? Well, it was a long winding road through some uh, a lot of small towns. And I guess uh, like a lot of kids growing up, I had a dream of playing Major League Baseball. And... Um, I was fortunate to have had an opportunity to play in college, uh, started at IU, finished at Valparaiso University, and from there, the, the opportunity to play professionally clearly wasn't going to happen. Um, and so for me, the, the front office route was the way I wanted to go. And um, the player development side, as appealing as that was back in the early 90s, if you hadn't had a, a career playing professionally, there really wasn't much of a transition to, to get into the baseball operations side of it. So the front office and the minor league baseball side of it was a perfect fit and, you know, had a chance to go to the minor league baseball winter meetings in, in Atlanta in 93. I had done three internships prior to that, hooked on with a team in Madison, Wisconsin, running food and beverage uh, in a really, really challenging situation. A lot of fun, but not a lot of success. And um, I learned quite a bit. After a year with that organization, I hooked up with um, my former GM in South Bend, he had put me in touch with the guys that were opening a new ballpark in Erie where they needed some staff, and I joined them and spent 18 years with Palisades Baseball, opened three different ballparks in Erie, then as the GM in Mahoning Valley in 1999 in Northeast Ohio, and then in Charleston, West Virginia in 05. And at the end of the 2012 season, again at the winter meetings, um, I was approached by Chuck Greenberg about an opportunity in Myrtle Beach, and um, a close friend of mine, best man at my wedding I had worked with for 15 years, had been considering that job, wasn't a great fit from a timing standpoint with his family, and um, he put Chuck in touch with me and um, moved down to Myrtle Beach, spent six years there before the opportunity here to, to move over with Chuck uh, presented itself, and we've been here since last July, so we're really excited and, and having a lot of fun and learning the community and making ourselves at home. Well, very good. Well, we're very excited and happy to have you here in Frisco. And I understand that we have uh, maybe set some records this year at the uh, Dr. Pepper Ballpark. Yeah, we had a great year. Um, you know, like every year, we had some ups and downs, some challenges. It was my first full season here. And so learning the operation, learning the community, learning what worked and what didn't, um, you know, it's always a, a pretty involved process. But um, we hit our stride and, and felt really good about things. I think we had our second biggest attendance ever next to Dude Perfect Night last year. And uh, we had our biggest final weekend the team has ever had. So we feel really good about what we've been able to do in the last year. Uh, feel great about our role in the community and the strides that we've made. And we're looking forward to bigger and better things uh, in the years to come. Well, the Rough Riders have become, I, I think of them as an institution in Frisco. Been here for a long time. A lot of good things that uh, happening with the, not just with the team itself, but around the team in the ballpark. Um, since we're at the end of a baseball season, I thought it might be fun to get into some of the other things that are happening in the ballpark that will still get people coming out and getting people together and having fun and doing community-oriented activities. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that take place, and people are always surprised when we tell them that October is actually our busiest month of the year at the ballpark. We have something going on seemingly every day from uh, 
the traditional events we have, our big casino night with sponsors and season ticket holders, um, the Red River rivalry game where we have the, the Oklahoma and Texas celebrities come out and play in a softball game against each other. It's a lot of fun, uh, similar to the Dirk's Heroes event that we, that we have every year in the summer, um, but with uh, a Texas and Oklahoma flair to it. Uh, McConaughey is actually a much better hitter and athlete than probably a lot of people would think. Um, <laughs> a lot of those ba- football players, they're not they're capable not. of hitting the ball. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, it's fun to watch them try to swing and hit. It's entertaining. It, it is funny to watch McConaughey out-athlete some professional athletes, but um, it, it does happen. And then we have our, our fall festival. This year we've got a, 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 blues, a, a booze and a brews festival angle to it where we're going to be doing some things uh, – with our friends from Franconia around that uh, as, a, as a beer festival event that ties into our fall festival. And, and even the Rangers have jumped on board this year. They moved their fall instructional leagues, created a prospects camp. We're playing games against Texas Tech, a couple of games, uh, Dallas Baptist and different schools in the area where the, the, the Rangers' top prospects from around the system are getting a chance to play here at home and work out at our facility every day. So between the corporate events, the public events, the private events, and, and the Rangers stuff we have going on. It's a really, really busy month at the ballpark. So I can vouch for what you said about October being busier than you would think. Um, this month of October, there are, there's a time when then my family will be there two or three nights in a row. And, of course, it's not watching Rough Riders baseball, but it's for the things like you mentioned, the casino night. As season ticket holders, we go to that, and it's awesome. It's so much fun to play money and, and get to be out on the field. And um, Is that only for season ticket holders, or can anybody attend the casino night event? Yeah, it's, it's season ticket holders and then, and then some sponsors as well. So, okay. um, you know, for us, it's a chance just to say thank you yeah. and have a lot of fun. It's casino games on the infield, a, a great buffet that Chef creator, uh, creates for us, um, music, and, and you're playing with funny money, but to, to buy prizes and, and win things. So it's just a lot of fun and a way to say thanks, kind of kick off the next Absolutely. year. It is. And to meet other, you know, fans and friends, and we've made friends there over the years, and then I'm super excited about that you guys are bringing the Rangers camp. I mean, it's been called a few things over the years, caravan and a couple different things. And um, But to bring my Red Raiders in for that is exciting because we're a bunch of friends and I um, to get to go watch that and um, to watch uh, Josh, the number one prospect, play. So yeah, hopefully, it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the first chance to really get a glimpse of him for a lot of people. So to see him here is really exciting. And um, it's good to know that we have a fellow uh Red Raider. My, my daughter has already decided, even though she's 10, she's going to play basketball at either Baylor or Texas Tech. So oh, she's all perfect. <laughs> now, speaking of the, the whole IU connection, I mean, you guys had uh, Bobby Knight there for a little while as we well. We did, yes. Yeah, after yes. he was no longer at IU. Yep. That was a kind of a sore spot, I think, for some IU fans, but it was uh, glad to see him land somewhere for a little while anyway. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, time as an <laughs> IU fan. And uh, the winter meetings happened to be in Dallas. I think the first year after he came here, and I ended up uh, somehow boarding a plane uh, and, and flying from here to Lubbock, and we caught the Louisiana Tech-Texas Tech game, went into the Bob Knight pregame uh, shoot-around, got a chance to meet him, sat in the first row behind a bench. So cool. um, the one time I actually met Coach up close and personally was not as a Hoosier but as a, as a Red Raider. So uh, Interesting. Yeah, he turned our program around, and look at us now. He did. Yep. Indeed. So are the is the Rangers camp event, is that something that, that people can come and attend and watch as oh, well? Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so we've got a couple of different games that are public and open to everybody. All the details are at ridersbaseball.com with the exact dates, start times, and, and ticket availability. 
Um, but it's uh, it's great. They've got sixty guys in their in their camp, and um, it's kind of a spring training like atmosphere. So uh, you might play seven innings, you might play nine, you might get four outs in an inning just to let a pitcher kind of work through a situation or get the get the number of pitches they want in and so forth. So it'll be uh, it'll be a fun kind of atmosphere and a chance to really get to see a lot of these guys up close and personal. Okay. And similar to that, yes, anybody can go. You buy it's they're really affordable tickets. But um, other things that happen throughout the year that sometimes people don't realize and they need to watch out for. Um, one of our favorites. You mentioned the Dirk game, so the Dirk Heroes um, Celebrity Game. But I think that's usually a June time frame. Yes. Yeah. But then, gonna, um, sorry, Kelly, real quick, is he going to keep doing that now that he's retired? So we we haven't heard anything official yet. There okay. is some speculation that he may want to continue with that, um, and and there's rampant speculation about who might take the baton if he does in fact decide to retire. So just had to I ask. mean, okay. I'm I'm just saying with Jason Terry here now, it wouldn't be a bad handoff if he wanted to <laughs> hand that off to a, to him. But um, also, and not sure if this will come back, but it's been here for a few years when the Cowboys do a home run derby. Um, that's a fun event. And some years it's free. Some years it's five bucks to get in. And it's really cool to take your family and you sit in the baseball bleachers, but you're watching the Cowboys hit and, and their family's out there and it's a fun time. Or try to hit as we were try talking hit, about earlier. Right, right. right. <laughs> and Jason Garrett's actually one of the better batters okay. of all of them. Yeah, it's it's amazing to watch those guys talking about, you know, professional athletes and what they're good at and what they aren't. Like, I feel like basketball players, baseball players, and, and most athletes could kind of step onto any field and at least look the part. But when you just watch some of those uh, offensive and defensive linemen try to catch a baseball coming at them with a glove, <laughs> it's scary. Um, it, and then watching some of them swing, I think they asked uh, Cooper last year when he got out of the cage after he sw- and 12 swings, maybe swung and missed it. Eight of them fouled three off and hit one in play. Uh, when the last time he hit was, and he said, today's the first time I've ever hit. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so some of them will blow you away with what they can do, and others you're like, yeah. wait a minute, this doesn't add up. And it's fun because like, when Dak goes up to hit the first time, maybe he didn't hit as good as he wanted. You can tell. He's like, I will do better next time around. And, and he does. He hits good, so it's fun. That's one of the other fun events that people need to watch out for because it sneaks up usually like in May or so, and um, it's easy to access and go do. So watch out for that one. Okay. I understand there's a, uh, this sounds kind of cool to me, a movie night at the ballpark as well? Yes, we have a handful of movie nights. Traditionally, they're not public events. You get into some licensing licensing issues with the movies and the the production companies. Okay. Um, but we do have a lot of movie nights that take place with our different corporate partners. We do a season ticket holder movie night, and some of our major sponsors will do different events at the ballpark. Um, but that's yeah. why you need to be a, a season ticket holder. You get to go to all these events. Yeah, there's batting practices taking place this week for season ticket holders. That's there's, one of my favorites, there's by the way. movie nights. Um, one of my favorite events we do with a corporate partner is uh, Dr. Pepper does uh, kickball karaoke. <laughs> so their employees have to sing a song before they get a chance to kick. Um, Interesting. Uh, which is entertaining. Um, but, yeah, that's the, the great thing about minor league baseball is really the sky's the limit. When you've got a ballpark like we do with the LED everywhere, a lazy river, the lights in the field, you can do all kinds of crazy fun events that are part of a game, that are standalone events, and it's really a lot of fun. Another standalone event um, that everyone can come enjoy, there's always Easter egg hunt for the little kiddos. Um, around Easter time, and like you mentioned, the fall festival with its cool new name, the Brews and Booze. Did uh, I say yeah. that wrong? Beards and Booze? Booze yes. or Blues? Booze. Booze. Okay. And b- Brews. 
or beers. Booze and beers. <laughs> booze and beers. <laughs> booze and beers. Booze and beers. But that's fun. Anybody can, um, you know, there's everything from obviously adult things happening, adult beverages, but also kids getting their face painted and all kinds of activities yeah. for kids. You can spend the whole afternoon. Is that festival there. coming up soon, I would assume? Yeah, end of the month uh, that takes place. There's costume contests for kids, and okay. there's just it's a it's a four hour window I think with all kinds of stuff going on, pumpkin patches, um, you name it, it's out there, and uh, it's all free to the public. Uh, we've got a we've got a, a long uh, post that we update every year of fall festivals and pumpkin patches and things like that. So it's in there. It's it's, it's already in there. there. Oh yeah. If okay. not, well, I was going to say we'll make sure it is. So. It's in there. Okay. And then fast forward after that, you've got the Winter Wonderland. Yeah, and the Winter Wonderland's fantastic because that's a Toys for Tots partnership. I think last year on a cold, rainy, miserable night, we did uh, over 12,000 toys, more than 100 bikes, and several thousand dollars we raised in one night um, with the Toys for Tots event at the ballpark. So hopefully this will be our third year with that event. Hopefully it'll be the first time the weather actually cooperates because we can do a lot more stuff other than just people stopping by to drop off. When, When is that event? Uh, that is in December, so I want to say it's the first week of December. Okay. And are there other activities happening around oh, yeah. that as well? Like, what are some of the other features of that event? Well, th- there were a lot of things that were supposed to happen, and last year was my first time experiencing it, and none of those activities happened because it was sleeting and raining. Uh, I have been when all of the activities have happened, and it was fine weather. I mean, cold, but, you know, good um, hot chocolate weather. So right. my kids like to get hot chocolate and sip on that the whole time we're in there. Um, you can do a horse-drawn carriage ride around the um, like exterior perimeter of the ballpark. And the field has Christmas lights on it. I don't think you go on the field at that time, but it's really pretty. It's a good picture to have in the background with the lights on the field. I'm pretty sure there's a real reindeer there, too. I think we had reindeer. Yeah. I think Santa has been there like, and taking yeah. pictures. I think there's cookies and crafting stations. Oh, yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty going on for, for family entertainment in December there. Sounds like fun. You guys do keep that park busy. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, become a, a community center, really. And, um, you know, when you think about what's happened here in Frisco, and I've heard the mayor speak a number of times about this being the greatest place to raise a young athlete and, and now the safest place to raise a young athlete. Um, that's really what drove us to, to Frisco. As, as a parent of two kids, my wife was a college basketball player. I was a college baseball player. We have two young athletes. And we looked at the quality of schools, the quality of life, the the sports, the the proximity to the the DFW Metroplex and everything it has to offer on the big league level, and and really just said if if we don't move here, somebody should take these kids away from us. Like we would be irresponsible <laughs> parents if we don't do this. And uh, we miss the beach. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the move has been fantastic. But as we talk to different sponsors and people in the community, and I think about kind of how this vision started in the late '90s. It started with that TIF district at the ballpark, and, and that was the first dive into sports. And you look at what's happened through FC Dallas and the Stars and the, and the Cowboys and the Legends and the PGA and everything that's going on in this community. It's, it's really remarkable to think that it started with minor league baseball and that vision, that commitment. And, and to see it manifest itself and unfold this way is really an incredible thing and a lot of fun to be a part of. And I think you guys have a unique... Um perspective in that as a minor league team with your your ranger team down the road just a little bit you know right down the road to where your players can bounce back and forth more than a normal market would be able to do that so as a fan perspective that's really cool that you can see players back and forth and and mostly get promoted and stay there for several years and you know half your ranger squad or rough riders 
Yeah, it's it's really a neat thing, and, and it doesn't happen a lot. But when it does, it's it's so special for the fans that are growing up in in the community and coming to that ballpark. And you know, that game has such a an incredible connection from one generation to the next. And I know that's how I got into it. My dad was coaching baseball when he was eighteen, four years before I was even born, and he coached into his sixties. And so, you know, for me, I grew up on Cubs baseball. And our, our team in Myrtle Beach is a Cubs affiliate. So to be there and be a part of it and feel connected to that big league team that you grew up with right. was really, really special. And, um, you know, to get a World Series ring as a part of it was a crazy yeah, dream come unreal. true. You know, I wasn't the starting shortstop like I envisioned as a kid, <laughs> but, uh, you know. Um, Close. Though. You were there yeah. in spirit, for sure. Um, I at least stood behind Glaber Torres while he was feeling ground balls before they traded for Chapman and won a championship. But, um, you know, that part of it, to see these guys on their way to the big leagues and then see them realize that dream up close and personal is really cool. And then because of that proximity, you get to see so many of these guys when they uh, have rehab. a rehab assignment where they come back down and they get a chance to, to still stay in their own bed, stay with their families, but but come back to Frisco where it kind of all started for them is a really cool thing as well. It is. We enjoy that. It's fun to go see you know, Guzman and I don't know, Delina, a lot of people come through every year, people rehab through and it's kind of a fun, you probably get a nice pop of attendance on some of those nights too. a random Tuesday night when somebody's pitching rehabbing through, huh? Yeah, it's, it's weird. So because we're in the Metroplex, um, you do get a bump, but it has to be a really big name to get a bump. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you have a a utility infielder coming down, maybe that means an extra 30 or 40 autograph seekers come out. But it, it takes a U Darvish, Josh Hamilton to really move the needle. Whereas in a, if you're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, any big leaguer gets that community excited and they come out. Right, yeah. yeah. Some of the bigger crowds I remember for stuff like that was you coming through. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody would come out for those starts. When he was, especially when he was new, when he was first pitching in Texas at all, he came through Frisco. For, I feel like he came to Frisco before he actually hit Arlington. To pitch, yeah. and um, that was exciting. Yeah, I, I looked. Um, I, I'm a big numbers and data guy, so I, I combined five years worth of game log data when I got here and was just looking at our our biggest days in the team's history and categorized them. And uh, Dude Perfect is number one. Sure. Uh, and then uh, like the next five or six dates are uh, a couple of you Darvish, uh, a Josh Hamilton, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, a um, Cole Hamill's appearances. Oh, so wow. uh, those those big time, big name rehabs, and especially pitchers, because you get to see them more than just four at bats, seems to make a really big difference. Can I ask you one question? You mentioned earlier about opening some ballparks. Yes, I had to say goodbye to well, the baseball <laughs> part of saying goodbye to the ballpark um, in Arlington. Um, I get to go back one more time for Billy Joel in a few weeks. So. Get to go down on the field one last time. But um, so, what are your thoughts? Have you been following the farewell tour of all the players and and well wishes that everybody's been giving the ballpark these last few months? Yeah, I mean, I've I've followed it uh, a little bit. Obviously, it's been it's been a crazy uh, time. The, the The baseball season's a crazy time for us as well. But um, to me, that kind of speaks of to the power of sports, right? Um, you know, we talked about uh, being born in Bloomington, delivered by an IU team doctor, growing up in South Bend. I feel like I have a real appreciation for what sports can mean to a community mm-hmm. and how it transcends socioeconomic boundaries and brings people together and can, and when used correctly, can lift communities. And when you think about growing up at a, at a stadium or at a ballpark like Globe Life Park, 
it's such a special place, and, and there's such fond memories that go beyond the baseball. It's the connection that you have to your family or to your friends or who you enjoyed that game with it. Anytime you lose a building that meant that much to you, it's a really tough thing to get your head around. And I was a Brown season ticket holder uh, at Municipal Stadium. So when I went back and I got my tickets at the new place, it just didn't feel right. Um, municipal was dirty. It was grungy. The bathrooms <laughs> were disgusting. There were trouble and fights and stuff all over. Like, it was crazy. But it had so much character and so many memories, and, and it meant so much to that community. And then they brought back this new, sterile, kind of really ultra-clean place with really, really bad football. And all of a sudden, it just <laughs> took a long time to even feel like you were at home. So yeah. it, it is it, it is a challenge, but, you know, if you look at Sunday's game as an example, what was the temperature? 96 degrees, and yep, people were frying reason. out yep. there. And, uh-huh. uh, so I, I get it. Um, progress isn't always fun, but it is necessary at times. Right. And right. I, I think at the end of the day, hopefully this will give them the opportunity to, to, to really – drive more attendance to, to create a better environment for the team and, and ultimately drive the revenues it takes to be successful. Makes a lot of sense. So on that note, uh, is there anything you can, uh, that you can tell us at this point about what's coming up for the Rough Riders maybe next season, some things to look forward to? Well, we're, we're right now we're, we just got back from El Paso, and uh, we spent a week down there at the Minor League Baseball Innovators Summit. And, um, you know, we went back... Uh, to El Paso, where this seminar originally started 40 years ago. And there's a young man named Jim Paul at the time who had created this promotional seminar with uh, 12 people that all got together to share ideas, and it turned into this thing that up until I think 98 or 99 was known as the El Paso Promotional Seminars. And it was just minor league baseball people getting together to share ideas and, and brainstorm and help everybody get better. And so with the 40th anniversary, with Jim Paul getting up there into his 70s, felt like we needed to take it back to its roots, reconnect with him and and share ideas in El Paso and see their new ballpark. And um, so we just spent a week down there, got a chance to spend a few hours with Jim and really reconnect with what kind of has made this such a special industry beyond the baseball. And um, we had, I think, seven people from our staff down there. And we're we're meeting next uh, Tuesday – or no, I'm sorry, uh, this Tuesday, tomorrow – to debrief and kind of talk through all of our promotions, everything that we're doing. And I think probably our, our biggest goal next year is to have more fun than anybody in minor league baseball. I love it. Uh, that was our goal in, in Myrtle Beach. And not just from a fan's perspective, but from a staff's perspective. Because when, when we're having a great time and everybody's feeding off that energy and that creativity, it leads to great promotions. It leads to great things in the ballpark. And, um, you know, I, I'm just really excited to kind of get back to now that we've torn apart ticket packages and reevaluated concessions and, and kind of really tore down the, uh, the engine of the block and rebuilt some things to get back to what we do best, and that's having fun and, and playing baseball and putting on a great show for the community. I was going to say, I bet at the innovators' uh, meetings, they're all waiting to hear what you guys are saying. The Rough Riders lead the league in different, you know, innovative ideas and in what you guys do to the ballpark, so they were probably all waiting to hear your new brainstorming ideas. Yeah, they, they were. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, we were pretty forward thinking in terms of embracing data on the business side of things. And um, we've had a great partnership for the last year with UNT. So it's great that we're over here on the campus. And um, 
part of what we've done has been really focusing on where our where our attendance comes from, what industry verticals it's driven from, where we're having success and and not in different verticals so that we can get better at, at kind of managing our ticket sales staff. We have over 20 people on our ticket sales staff, which is a big staff to kind of get your head around and to determine who's performing and who isn't. So um, a lot of what we've talked about the last few years at this Innovator Summit has been how do you embrace data and how has this helped teams get better. So we were really heavily involved in those discussions. We partnered with UNT on some different projects on that front. We also are the only team in minor league baseball that has a full-time business intelligence analyst um, who's a, a data guy who'd spent years at Yahoo as a coder in India before moving to the U.S. And um, he's been with me for a few years. So we're, um, we, we were heavily involved in kind of the future and where we're going. But at the end of the day, to me, what data really represents, if you break it down, is how you can better understand your fans and what emotionally drives their decisions and, and draws them to your team. And once you can use data that way, it allows us to better connect with you in a way that's relevant and personal and emotionally connecting. And um, that's what it's all about. For me, you know, I have an eight and 10 year old girl. So we're going to sporting events all the time, but my social calendar is largely dictated by what their interests are. <laughs> and so Everybody's at different life stages. The community's exploding. There's, they're, they're building everywhere you look. So for us, it's about how do we build a promotional schedule and build a marketing campaign that's relevant to people individually? Because at the end of the day, that's really the only thing that matters is how you personally want to be treated. And then us trying to create that game day experience that meets your expectations. And that's different for everybody. And so I think that's, that's a sweet spot, the intersection of data and, and emotional uh, connections. It's interesting to hear you talk about that because as a, a digital media company, it's something that we're very focused on as well. Um, it's much easier to measure those things in a digital environment than it is in a, a bricks-and-mortar online environment like you guys have. And I know that that crosses over into digital to some extent, but um, you've got a, a physical base to start looking at in terms of attendance and ticket sales and things like that. So uh, it's, it's, it's good to hear that you guys are taking that approach and really trying to personalize that experience for the community. And what more. a challenge. Yeah. I mean, you have, like you said, you want everybody to have the game day experience that they want. That's from toddlers to 90-year-olds that are out there watching baseball. <laughs> so that's a tough thing to achieve. Yeah, there's no question. Um, and, and, and if you're going to tailor that individual experience, you know, it, it takes time, it, it takes additional resources, staffing-wise, money-wise, you name it. But I think the, the first big step is, is shifting to this uh, membership experience specialist team that we have uh, now to, to make sure that our, our, our primary core audience, our season ticket base, is taken care of. And it, it's interesting, um, there, there's a gentleman, um, Brian Burns, who used to be on the steering committee for the National Sports Forum, uh, w which I'm on. And um, he's the, the top business intelligence guy for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, he has since uh, moved up in the ranks, and there's somebody else that's heading up that effort. His, his brother, Michael Burns, actually, and his wife, Jenna, both worked with the Rough Riders at one point and now run the Oklahoma City Dodgers. And um, he, had, he had suggested when, he, when I first met him and attended a presentation breakout that he had held at the sports forum, he had talked about their, their membership experience team or whatever the name of it was. And um, he said every interaction with a customer, they're tasked with learning three new bits of information about them, which sounds pretty creepy. Uh, 
But it's all about trying to figure out how do you tailor that experience. So, you know, whether you're a motorcycle enthusiast or a boating enthusiast or your kids um, are into the mascot, their goal is to learn as much about you as they can so that when opportunities for the boat show or the the indoor motorcycle, whatever they call that show, um, where they're jumping around with lights and cannon blasts and doing flips. Yeah, it's one of those crazy shows. Uh, Nitro Circus comes to town. Um, That they know who's a great candidate and who would have an interest in one show versus another. And and he said, you know, what what really hit home for me was he made the comment that um, they have a gentleman who owns the four seats between the bench and the scorer's table. And he spends like $480,000 a year on these four-season tickets. And they're personal tickets. So it's not a company's name. And just out of curiosity, he said, this is such a major investment. How do you justify this? I could see from a business standpoint, but for you personally. And he said, well, listen, I've done very, very well in my life. I've made a lot of money. And I obviously could do just about anything I want to do. But when I brought my four-year-old daughter out here and it was her birthday, the mascot came over along with the dance team presented her with a birthday present and a cake and saying happy birthday to her on the court. I didn't make a call. I didn't ask. I I wouldn't do those things. He said, but the fact that you guys cared enough to do that, I can't put a price on that. And so that's, that's kind of the trick, right? Is how do you figure out what's important to different people? And then how do you deliver that experience without making it feel like you're intrusive? And, and in Oklahoma City's case, and hopefully in ours, it'll be through this membership experience team that will take care of your ticket exchanges, anything you might personally need with your account, while getting to know you better and delivering a higher level of service. It's it's happening. I see it. Um, over the years, we've had a couple different reps. Our original one now runs the sales department, so um, but they know we're friends. We're friends with all of them. They know our kids. We know when their kids are you know, coming and born, and they know what sports we're attending and all of our interests and what we're up to. So your staff's doing a good job of it. Yeah, we're, we're fortunate. We have some really good people, and, and they're committed. And Ross and David have been here for a long time and done a great job. And now we've got a full-time dedicated you know, service team that's going to take care of all of our season ticket holders, whether you're a first year and, and just getting into a rookie onboarding program or you've been here eight or ten years and know your way around the ballpark uh, you know, like you do. And, and it's, uh, for us, it's all about how do you make this a seamless, enjoyable family night out at the ballpark because at the end of the day you know our fans are just like us we're all starved for time we don't have enough hours in a day we have a a million (laughs) things going on and when you do have that chance to spend two or three hours with the people you care about you want a seamless fun experience that 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 creates the memories and and that downtime that you're looking for absolutely i think that's a great place to uh, end it off but andy thank you so much for joining us today that's a great look at all the stuff happening at the ballpark a good look at kind of how you guys are thinking about things behind the scenes and why it is such a special experience and why i'm going to go back and say that the, the frisco riders are frisco rough riders are a, a frisco institution and thank you guys for all you're doing thank you yeah keep up the good work kelly thanks for joining us as well thanks for having me and thanks to all of you for listening into the frisco podcast Please be sure to go out and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much any place that you're listening to a podcast, you're going to find the Frisco Podcast. And while you're at it, go look up Kelly's Hustle and Pro as well and make sure you subscribe to her podcast too. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time.